So tonight we will be going over some fundamentals of meditation practice. We're giving basic instruction in meditation practice by request. So let's all get in the meditative mode. Once we start, <clears throat> once we start talking about meditation, it's clearly not a theoretical subject. This isn't a talk that you should listen to intellectually. It's a teaching that you should put into practice. The practice of meditation really um, follows this um, sequence of trainings as laid down by the Buddha. So the Buddha said there are three trainings that we should train ourselves in. In Pali, we call these sila, samadhi, and panya. In English, we might say morality, concentration, and wisdom. But these are a bit misleading, or it's 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 difficult to um, understand these without explaining them, explaining these terms in detail, because misunderstanding arises um, based on the words themselves. Morality, for example. So we, when morality, we think of certain deeds that we shouldn't perform. And concentration, we think of focusing the mind on, um, on a single object or a single point and keeping it in one place. And wisdom we think of as intellectual thought or ideas, concepts. Theories and so on. These are mundane morality, mundane concentration and mundane wisdom. In meditation it's, um, it's on a more ultimate um, or even more experiential level. So it has to do with our, our experience. Morality plays a part in our existence right here and now, even when we don't have an opportunity to do or, ba or say bad things. True morality is the mind that uh, avoids or refrains from from what we might call evil or unwholesomeness. And real concentration is the... Uh, we might, let's put it, phrase it in terms of reality. We'd say morali morality is the uh, refraining from or the uh, limiting one's attention to ultimate reality, to experience. 
So when the mind wanders off into concepts, we bring it back to experience, to, to reality, to what's really being experienced. Right? So when we're thinking, it's all just thinking. But we, instead of seeing it as thinking, we see it as this reality or that, you know, as concepts, as people and places and things that we're thinking about. We don't realize that we're thinking. Concentration is the focusing, in, in the Buddha's teaching, the ultimate or the highest concentration is the focusing on ultimate reality. So not focusing on one single thing, but focusing on your on experience having a focused mind, a mind that is in focus, so seeing things as they are, not how we want them to be or how we don't want them to be, just seeing them as they are. And wisdom is, rather than any kind of theory about reality or... or about the universe or the past or the future or about our life or life in general. It's understanding of, of experience, understanding of reality, which is really quite simple actually. It, it means seeing reality, knowing reality for what it is. It's something that we already think we have, but we, we don't. We don't really understand reality and understand our own experiences. If we did, why would we why would our experiences cause trouble for us? Why would we do and say and think things that were to our detriment? We wouldn't if we really understood what we were doing. This is the idea or the, the idea behind wisdom and behind the training. We're training ourselves to um, to go into or to enter into every experience with wisdom that prevents us from making bad choices. So this is the, the base of the, the teaching. First we have to bring the mind back or, or keep the mind uh, from, from leaving the present moment or leaving the reality in front of us. And we have to focus on the reality to see it as it is and then Finally, we have to see and to know it and to understand it as it is. This is the progression of our practice. The actual practice, the technique of the practice, is what I was asked to talk about today, is based on the four foundations of mindfulness, which is uh, it's actually a subjective teaching of the Buddha. There's nothing in reality that, that uh, you can point to and say these four foundations of mindfulness. It's just a... It's actually kind of a strange-sounding title. <clears throat> it means the four four categories of of experience that you can establish mindfulness on. It's important to have categories, or it's important to be able to name out what is ultimate reality, so that you know what is what is within limits and what is outside of limits. For a beginner meditator, this is important. So we take these four to be the limits. Anything outside of these is not an object of meditation. It's not something we should um, focus on. And by separating them into four, they, it's easy to tell what's what, or it's easier to, to recognize things as they are, um, rather than just lumping them all together into one 
category of experience. So we break experience up like this. It's quite useful, it's, especially for a beginner meditator. You give them four things and they have something to work with. So these four are actually the most important thing for a beginner meditator to learn. And so we often have people even memorize them. And I'll, I'll go through them so it should be fairly easy to remember. These are the body, the feelings, the mind, and the dhammas, or the realities. It's a little bit of a... I have to explain the fourth one a little bit. <clears throat> but the first three are fairly self-explanatory. The, the first one is the body. And it doesn't... or not exactly the body, it means body or bodily experiences. Because the body is still just a concept. But in regards to the body or bodily experiences, in regards to body, there are bodily experiences. There is the experience of sitting, for example. What is the experience of sitting? Well, there's pressure in the back and there's a, um, a softness on the, the seat that we're sitting on. There's a tension in the legs. Or, and there are various aspects to the, the sitting. There's even a heat in the body that is that comes from from the contact with the, with the seat and is generated from the body itself. Or there's cold from the air around us. There's a physical experience. And we sum that all up by saying sitting, but, but actually sitting doesn't really exist. It's just a name for a certain experience. And there's standing, there's walking, there's lying down. These are the basic um, aspects of physical experience. Bending, stretching, turning, reaching, grasping, eating, chewing, swallowing, brushing your teeth, washing your hair, using the toilet. All of this is physical experience. You can even meditate on the toilet. The Buddha himself said it. If you're, if you're clearly aware of the physical experience, this is body. One of the things that we focus on is the, the, the stomach. It's a good example because it's a part of the body that's moving or that's, that's it's a bodily experience that is always present or, or most of the most of the time is uh, clearly perceptible. So when the stomach rises, we just recognize it as rising and when it falls, we recognize it as falling. This is a, a basic meditation exercise using the body. The second one, by feelings, we don't mean mental you know, judgments or so on. We mean simple uh, sensations, painful sensations, pleasant sensations, and neutral sensations. So it could be pain in the body. This is an obvious one. If you recognize the pain as pain, you remind yourself it's pain. This is mindfulness of, of the feelings. If you feel happy and you say, you remind yourself of it as happy and, and keep your mind focused on, on it as it's there, or, or pleased or pleasure or even just feeling. Or if you feel calm and you remind yourself calm, calm. This is uh, mindfulness of the feelings. When you're thinking about the past or the future, when you, you have thoughts, this is the mind. Uh, when you're thinking 
dreaming or planning or, or fantasizing or uh, worry, you know, reminiscing or uh, any kind of discursive thought, any kind of thought at all. The meditation isn't trying to get rid of the thought, it's not trying to get rid of anything. This is, um, as I said before, this is kind of like a study. Remember what we're trying to gain here. We're trying to gain first morality. So when thinking arises, well, that's still reality. Um, but when you get lost in it, when you start to perceive it as being an issue or a, a problem or a story or a fantasy, then you're outside of reality. So we have to catch the thoughts and see them just as thinking. We remind ourselves thinking, thinking, and try to train the mind to only see it as thinking. This is bringing the mind back to reality. This is morality, bringing the mind back to reality. And then once you see the reality, you see the thoughts arising and ceasing. This is, you, you, this is your focus. You're focused on them as they arise and cease. And the wisdom is seeing that thoughts arise and cease and coming to understand that thoughts arise and cease. They're not me, they're not mine. They're not under my control, they're not worth pursuing, they're not worth clinging to. They're just reality. They come and they go. And um, it's this uh, realization of the pure state of awareness in the present moment. Not judgmental and not um, distracted or lost or confused or muddled by thoughts and by, by concepts. So these, pre, these three are pretty self-explanatory. You can go back and forth with them. The fourth one is, isn't, isn't mysterious or anything. It, it just means it's kind of like etc. or extras or um, sets of the Buddha's teaching, you might even say, that um, pr progress one further towards enlightenment. So the first set is the five five hindrances. They're, they're emotive states that will arise and get in your way and keep you from seeing clearly. So um, they're they're kind of extra from from the other three. So it means in the mind there will be liking and disliking. You'll be focusing on the body, watching the stomach rise and fall, or the feelings, or so on. And then there will be a liking or a disliking. Maybe you'll feel bored or maybe you'll feel scared or maybe you'll feel frustrated or, or, or even great anger can come up if it's, if it's stuck inside. On the other hand, you might be liking. You might like the meditation or there might be wanting, wanting food or wanting pleasure, wanting this or that, or liking some experience that arises. Maybe some thoughts or fantasies arise and you like them or some pleasant feelings arise in the body and you like them or you hear something and you like that. Now this liking and disliking is, is some uh, are, are things that um, take us out of the present moment, take us out of reality. You're no longer studying, you're now judging and you're, you're cultivating habits of judgment. This liking doesn't lead just to getting, it leads to more liking, it's habitual. Disliking is the same. It leads to anger. When the more disliking you have, the more you give rise and give um, 
when the more you cling to the disliking, the more uh, disliking there will be, the more angry a person you become. So these are hindrances, they stop us from um, seeing things clearly, they cloud the mind, they lead the mind to, uh, they lead the mind out of reality and into a muddled state. They confuse the mind, they tire the mind, they tax the mind's strength. They prevent one, the most important is they prevent you from seeing clearly. So again, we're not judging them, but we're learning about them, we're studying, we're learning how they come and how they, how they go, what makes them arise, what makes them cease. We're coming to understand everything about them. That's all we need. As, a, as I said, the, the theory is that once you, um, and the observation, more importantly, the observation is that once you understand something, once you understand something to be to your detriment, you abandon it without thought, without, um, without even having to consider, without effort, simply through understanding things. The mind, when, when understanding arises in the mind, understanding of the problems with negativity or with clinging in, in any case, uh, then there, there will arise no clinging. The mind will change. The mind changes uh, based on the habit. So liking, disliking. Another one is drowsiness or laziness. So this is a hindrance because it keeps you from seeing things, keeps you from jumping, from uh, going out to the object, from perceiving the object clearly. Distraction when the mind is not focused. So laziness or this, this state of feeling lazy is too much focus or too much concentration. Distraction is when you don't have enough concentration. So we have to balance this, find the, find the balance where we're not too focused. Laziness actually isn't a lack of energy, it's an it's a, uh, excess of concentration. So you can actually pull yourself back and you can cultivate the energy that's missing by uh, by seeing it, by you know, noting to yourself drowsy and drowsy. Yeah, distraction, you know, noting to yourself distracted and distracted, or worried if you're worried and your mind is not able to uh, to stay firm. Uh, say worried, worried. If you have doubt or confusion, say to yourself doubting, doubting. The, the whole, um, the underlying technique here is just this noting, this reminding yourself. The best way to understand it is reminding yourself because, we're, see, we're trying to use something that's broken to fix itself. Our mind is, in a sense, broken. By broken means we do things that cause us suffering. We give rise to unwholesome thoughts, thoughts that are not to our benefit or to our detriment. Um, if you're not such a person, then we would consider you enlightened and, and you don't have to practice. But this is the purpose of meditating, to to change or to remove or to understand at least what it is that, that we're doing to ourselves. And so, so but, but to do this we have to use the mind, the mind which is subjective, which is judgmental, which is partial. So how do we break out of that? We need some means of coming outside of our own habits, our own mode of behavior, and this is what the reminding does. We have this objective tool that never changes. You, can, you, you can't trick yourself 
into using some other word and when you feel pain saying happy, happy or something like that. If you understand the technique, you have to say to yourself pain. You have to remind yourself and you have to confirm in yourself, affirm pain. Affirm the reality of it. It's similar to this positive affirmation stuff. It's, it's, it's totally different, but it's a similar concept. And it's kind of counterintuitive. You, we, we, we think that what you should be saying is happy, happy, or, or no pain, no pain, or something like that. When you feel angry, you should be saying love, love, you know, to try to counter it. This is if you were trying to create some state, uh, some opposite state. We're not trying to do that. We're trying to understand or to focus on the bad stuff. And it seems counterintuitive. You think, well, why would you focus on the bad stuff? Well, why would a doctor focus on the, the, the sickness? You see, same, same sort of thing. We have a problem. We are, you know, we're, we're, our mind is, is not tweaked correctly. It, it needs to be adjusted. So we have to look and see where it needs to be adjusted. But we have to do it objectively. And that's what this word does. So with the body, we can just focus on the sitting and say to ourselves, sitting, sitting. Or we can focus on the stomach, the basic exercise we give to meditators who come for an intensive course is watch the stomach rising and falling and just remind themselves, rising, falling. And of course, you don't say these words out loud. You're just in your mind reminding yourself so as to cut off or preclude any judgment, any thoughts of liking or disliking the experience or identifying with the experience or uh, any discursive or um, extraneous thought. So when you feel pain and you say pain, pain, this is learning about not just the pain but also learning about the, the our reactions to it. And once you see that your reactions are the problem and it's actually your disliking of the pain that's the problem, you come to see that pain is really just pain. And as you say to yourself, pain, pain, you're teaching yourself something. Whereas without looking, you would be upset about the pain. Once you look at it and understand it as pain, you, you, you realize for yourself, it is just pain. There's nothing good or bad about it. And the same with happy feelings as well. Instead of clinging to them and wishing for them and hoping for them and feeling depressed and, and longing for them when they're gone, we see them just as happy feelings and we realize there's no benefit that comes from clinging to them. They might be good, but any, as soon as you say that they're good, you start clinging. And when you cling, then you suffer when they're gone. You have this partiality where your happiness depends on them. So we stop that. We know them just as happiness. And you're thinking, and then you say to yourself, thinking, thinking. And thoughts as well have no power over you. Good thoughts, bad thoughts. Good thoughts don't take you away. Bad thoughts don't upset you. And even with the hindrances, once we say to ourselves, liking, liking, or disliking, disliking, this is uh, a means of understanding these things. Sometimes it feels like they get worse when you acknowledge them. When you say to yourself, angry, angry, sometimes it feels like you get more angry. But this is how it should be in the, be in, in the beginning because we have anger inside of us and our reaction to anger is to get angry. We have to see this. We have to see what we're doing to ourselves. 
it's actually the best thing for us once we watch the anger and become upset by it. Once we realize how horrific this anger is and how it can build and so on, this is exactly what we need to see. It should build, it should get out of hand so that we can see how out of hand it gets and, and really want to change. Deep down the mind will, this will affect the mind when it sees how strong this anger is. The problem with anger isn't that it comes up, the problem is that we don't real, we don't uh, understand it when it arises. And so we follow it, we, we, we make use of it, we use it as a premise by which to act. I'm angry, therefore I should hit you, or therefore I should yell at you, therefore I should do something nasty for you, towards you. We don't ever understand the anger, let it come. This is important. It's important to teach your mind a lesson. If it's going to get angry, well, let it see what anger is. Let it look at the anger. Let it eat its own dog food, so they say. So these are the four foundations. In, in brief, this is all you need to know to practice meditation. It's really almost enough. There's, there's only one other thing that I'd add, and that's the next set in the Dhammas, is the senses. So other things that might come up are seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, feeling, and thinking. Thinking we already have, but the other five senses we have to note as well. Because seeing and hearing, and all, all of these senses can give rise to um, partial, partiality or con conceptual thought. When we see something, we begin to think about it. When we hear something, we begin to think about it. So we get lost from the meditation. We lose our morality in a sense. As because we lose our morality, we have no concentration, no focus. As we have no focus, we lose our wisdom. We're in the realm of delusion, where it's very easy to give rise to judgment and partiality. So we bring ourselves back. When we see, we catch it just at the door and say to ourselves, seeing, seeing. When we hear something, hearing, hearing. When we smell or taste or feel, we say, smelling, smelling, tasting, tasting. Feeling, feeling, and when we think, of course we know thinking. And in this way we've kind of covered all of our bases. There's nothing that could arise as long as we stay. The Buddha was emphatic about this, in fact. He said, if you stay within this uh, boundary of the four foundations of mindfulness, nothing can get you. Mara can't get you. Evil cannot reach you. No trouble can come to you very powerful statement and it seems hard to believe until you understand what is reality and you realize that all of your problems are outside of this that there's no problems in any of these things there's no issues in any of these things the problem is in identifying with them making more of them than they are projecting um, extrapolating upon them once they are what they are and, and that's all they are there is no potential for suffering, there's no potential for uh, clinging, there's no potential for expectation. So this is, this is all the practice really is, it's a training and a studying and a learning process. You want to be learning as much as you can, it's not something you should be Meditation isn't something you should be using to escape. It should be a laboratory where you study the things you don't dare study anywhere else. 
You know, people who have anxiety or phobias or depression or anger, they don't dare to look at these things. Anything to get away from them, how can I cure them? This is why people start to take pills, take medication. It's apparently a very common thing. I guess we don't realize how common it is, but probably a lot of the people we know are on some sort of uh, medication for some for one or another mental illness. We often think maybe it's only me, but uh, I mean, I'm not taking them, but but uh, obviously, but um, it's it's quite a common thing. And uh, we we do this trying to get away from them. So meditation is a way to stop that. A way way to it's it's a controlled means of approaching these um, issues, these problems. Because here we are sitting on a mat, we can let them arise uh, without much to fear. Um, <coughs> If we, if we have anger issues, then we can let anger arise because there's no one around to get angry at. If we have fear or or worry, no, then now we can we can be afraid and worry because it's it's really inconsequential. Uh, we can look at the worry. We don't have to act out on it, and we don't have to take some kind of medication to get over it. It's like we want these things to come up that we've never allowed ourselves to look at. So it's quite an exploration. It's something very um, unique and uh, not very well understood. We usually think of meditation as some kind of a retreat or a, an escape. But it certainly isn't. It's an, it's an advance. We are um, taking a, a leap into the unknown where we've never really gone before. And that is this unknown isn't something mysterious, it's who we are, it's, it's our everyday life that we never really look at. It's like uh, tuning the machine or the, our, our automobile, going under the hood. We, we, we drive the car every day, but we, we often don't spend enough time tuning it or, or cleaning it. If you go around in your car and you never change the oil, eventually it burns, burns up. Of engine trouble. It's exactly how the mind is. We don't spend the time. We spend all our time using our mind. We use our mind for so many things, but we don't spend enough time uh, servicing the mind. So this is kind of this servicing of removing all the bad stuff and cultivating all the good stuff. So that's basically how to meditate. This is sitting meditation. There's also you can do it walking. So when you walk. I've given instructions in my booklet, you can read that. When you walk, you know the f right foot is moving, stepping, right? It's just a technique. But the, 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 the uh, or it's a structure. The technique is the same, the, the noting is, the reminding yourself is the same. If you use this technique of reminding yourself, you can even use it in daily life when you're sitting in a car, or when you're, you're sitting on the bus, or when you're uh, in, at work and you want to take a break, you can do a five-minute meditation break. You can, When you're eating, you can do eating meditation, chewing, chewing, swallowing, tasting, tasting. Uh, anything can become meditation. There's the, the, the formal aspect of it isn't so important. It's just a, a sort of a, a, in a sense, a retreat uh, from from the whole spectrum of experience. 
to, to keep, keeping it to just a couple of objects. So walking back and forth is quite simple. It gives you a much less, a much more controlled uh, environment in which to study the experience. Otherwise, the technique is simply this reminding yourself, and based on these four foundations of mindfulness that the Buddha taught, is four, four aspects of existence, aspects of experience. Okay, so uh, let's take that as a basic understanding of meditation, and we can try to now do our, we'll do our daily meditation and try to put this into practice.